0: If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. I think everybody knew where we were going today with Luke chapter 2. This is the most famous, one of the most famous passages in the entire Bible. But it is probably the most famous Christmas passage in the entire Bible. That's what makes this passage hard to preach today because everybody knows it. It's so familiar. It's so powerful. It's so beautiful. Even just reading it, it is just beautiful to hear. Uh, but I think it's, there's more to it than that. I think it's more than just a Christmas story. I think this is the gospel story at Jesus' birth. And we get to hear a song in this today as we've been studying the four songs in Luke. And today's the angel song. This isn't Mary singing. This isn't old man Zachariah singing. This is the angel singing. So I titled the sermon today, The Heavenly Celebration of Christmas. Because this isn't the world singing. This is heaven coming down and singing praise to to Christ at his birth. So I want to look at this today. Let's stand together. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And for me, and I hope for you, the Sunday before Christmas, Luke chapter 2, it doesn't get any better than this. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, i want to start in verse 8. This is, again, very familiar. I'm not going to try to, to, to bring anything out that you haven't heard before. You just need to hear it again. So let's, let's listen to the passage, and then we'll preach it. Starting in verse 8, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, and this is a golden verse in verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, And all they that heard wondered at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. What a beautiful passage of scripture today. Let's pray together and we'll study this passage. Father, we thank you for your word and what it reveals to us. I love this passage in Luke and how... Luke has methodically put these things together, the events, the details, the history, exactly as it happened. And God, I love that. This is more than a story. This is reality, that you sent your son into this world to become man, to die for us. We thank you for that today. What great truth we get to study today. Deep, theological, practical truth. And God, I pray that you'd help me as I preach it, that I wouldn't try to make it more than what it is. It's powerful enough as it's stated. And God, I pray for the people in the pews that you would open their eyes and open their ears and open their hearts, that they would hear it anew today, afresh, and God, that they would be amazed by it, like they were the first time they ever heard it. This is amazing truth. Let us be amazed by it today. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. One of my favorite Christmas songs every year, and I always can't wait till I hear it on the radio, is It Is the Most Wonderful Time of Year. I love how it starts off with It Is the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, and then it gives you several reasons throughout the song why the author of the song thinks it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I want to give you a few of these things, and maybe there are reasons why you think it's the most wonderful time of year as well. Here's a couple of the reasons. It says that it's the most wonderful time of year because... Uh, kids are jingle-belling, everyone's telling you to be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And then it says there's parties for hosting and marshmallows for roasting and caroling out in the snow. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And then the last verse, and I know you've all heard it before, but this is a, it's a great song. My kids sing it, I sing it, we go on the radio, and we're like a choir in the car, all seven of us. You heard Hallie this morning, she's a singer too. The last verse says there will be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And I love the song because I agree wholeheartedly with the song. My favorite time of year is Christmas. I love it more than any other time, and we have extended it in our family, where it used to be a day, and then it became a week, and then it became a month, and now we start around before even Thanksgiving, we're putting up things in our house. We want to make this season last as long as we can, because it's the most wonderful time of the year, and my kids love it, my wife loves it, my whole family loves it, I, I believe we've made it to where the, the church even loves it. We start decorating, and, and everybody's just full of so much cheer at church during this time, but not for the reasons this song says. And off the reasons maybe that you think. It's, it's not the food that makes it the most wonderful time of year, although that's good. It's not the gifts, and, and boy, do we love gifts. But that's not what makes it the most wonderful time of the year. For me, what makes Christmas the most wonderful time of year is that for one day out of the year, or a week, or a month, the whole world stops what it's doing. And everyone celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ. It's almost it's as it should be. That the whole world sings songs about Christmas. The whole world, you can walk through a department store today and you're going to hear Silent Night and songs about Jesus over the, the, the loudspeaker in in department stores. I went into Starbucks the other day and we know Starbucks isn't a Christian coffee shop. And they was playing Christmas songs in Starbucks. Everybody stops what they're doing, they give gifts, they sing songs, they put up lots, they eat food, they dress up, they gather with family, and the whole reason that the world stops is for the, the greatest moment in history, that Jesus has come into the world. Amen. Everything stops for a season, and everybody focuses their attention on Jesus. That's as it should be. The, the whole world, whether they like it or not, and a lot of the world's reluctant to it. They, they don't want to do it. They want to say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. And I'm happy to say Merry Christmas to everybody and anybody that I see. Amen. We love this season because it's a, a celebration of Christ. And that's all began at the first Christmas. But it wasn't the whole world celebrating then. It was almost like the whole world was asleep then, and nobody was celebrating. So all of heaven had to celebrate. And that's exactly what's happening here. All of heaven breaks loose and starts celebrating this greatest event in the history of the world. And you guys know the story. I just want to give you a little bit of backstory before we look at at the angel's song here. But just building up to verse 8, because we've not been following along with it, Mary and Joseph have had to travel just a few miles. She's nine months pregnant. Joseph looks at her and says, I know you're nine months pregnant, but ride this donkey for a few miles. I'm sure, she looked at him funny after that. Steph, when she's pregnant, she and she don't want to ride two miles in a car. I mean, put her on a donkey for four or five miles. So they ride to Bethlehem for a census, and Joseph didn't make reservations. Can you imagine how mad she's at him over that? He goes here, no. He goes here, no. He goes here, no. Everywhere he goes, there's no room for them in any inn, anywhere in town. And he says, "I got an idea. Let's go out to the shed out back." So they go to a, a stable. Outside, surrounded by animals. And in that moment, the greatest thing in the history of the world happened. Outside in the stable, surrounded by animals, Mary has the Son of God. Verse 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And the world was sound asleep. And in that moment, at that time, in the middle of nowhere, out in the open, angels begin to sing. And there's a celebration unlike you've ever seen in your life and unlike anything the world will ever see until Jesus comes back. All of the heavenly host of angels begins to sing about Christ coming into the world. That's why I've titled this sermon, The Heavenly Celebration of Christ. And I think their celebration ought to mirror what we do on earth right now. This heavenly celebration should be how we celebrate. So let's look at this passage today. I want to show you the heavenly celebration of Christmas. And and again, the goal is that we celebrate with the angels, the greatest thing that has ever happened. And I've broken this passage down, verses 8 through 20, into, uh, it's Christmas, I'll give you a little bit extra today. I'm going to give you four points instead of three. So, So hang on with me. So here we go. Starting in verse 8, I want to show you the heavenly announcement. The heavenly announcement. As you see there, it says, and there were in the... The same country. And I want you to notice the details there. I said it in the prayer. I love that Luke is putting this together. He was not there. So he had to go to eyewitnesses and, and put the record together. And he puts, he puts all this together to show us these are real people in real places in a real time. It's a historical fact that these things happened. So he says, in the, and there were in the same country shepherds. And when we think of shepherds, we think of the shepherds that walked up the aisle this morning for the play and come and stood over here and they were cute and they were, I mean, it was, it was wonderful to see all those shepherds sitting on the side over there and we think that, that's awesome. We see them in a play, we see them in the, the nativity. We, we love the shepherds, but that's not how they were viewed back then. If you were told you're going to be a shepherd in a play back then, it would have been a bad part. These shepherds were outcasts, they were lowlifes, they were nobodies, they worked the lowliest job that you could have. Nobody grew up to say, hey, I want to be a shepherd when I grow up. They worked seven days a week, they didn't get to keep the Sabbath, they were bottom of the rung. Uh, To be a shepherd was to be the lowest thing on earth. And it says they were in the same country which means they're a couple miles away from Bethlehem and they're watching sheep by night, which means they're doing their job. It's a normal night, expecting nothing, and they're just out in the middle of nowhere, and it's pitch black night time. They're taking their turns. It says there that they're keeping their watch, which means that these shepherds, I don't know how many there there are, but they're, they're, they're taking their watch. And some would sleep and some would stay awake. And then the, the others would go to sleep and the others would keep their watch. And they're taking turns and trying to stay awake. And it's it's pitch black out. And this is what they did seven days a week. And they'd go out there and never expect anything. The most crazy thing that would happen would be a sheep would run off and they'd have to go out there and grab it and pull it back. And that was an exciting night. What happened to you tonight? Watch some sheep. I mean, it is a mundane job. Nothing big happened to shepherds until this night. Just a routine night, nothing exciting, falling asleep. And it says there in verse 9, and lo, I love that phrase. I I underlined it, I, I, I highlighted it, and lo, out of nowhere, God breaks into this mundane night. Out of nowhere, to the least likely people, when they least expected it, boom, God shows up. And there's a good application for that, that God could show up in your life in the place where you least expect it. That you could be going through your life, and I think most of us know that if, you, if you're saved here today, that it wasn't you that was searching out for God. Most of us was just going through our life, everyday routine, doing our own thing in our own way, and boom, and lo, God showed up and did something out of this world in your life. You can be sitting here today and you showed up just to watch these kids. It's just a normal Christmas play at a, at a church. We got other plans to do something later today. And then, and lo, God shows up and does something heavenly and out of this world. That's how God works. With the least likely when they least expect it. And lo, God shows up, verse 9. And the angel. This is, the angels have been all over Luke 1 and 2. 500 years building up, no angels. Three times already in two chapters, angels have showed up. This angel shows up, dispatched from heaven. Can you imagine that angel? Those angels serve that. That's what angels do. They're, they exist to do God's bidding. And they're in heaven, and God comes up to and he and He chooses an angel. And we don't know who this angel is, but God, going through all the angels, says, Hey, you, you're going down today. That angel, smile on his face. Where am I going? To shepherds. <laughs> shepherds. In a field. At night. And the angel says, yes, sir, and goes. And the angel showed up, dispatched from heaven. It says, and the angel of the Lord came upon them. The angel of the Lord got up close to them. This isn't from a distance. Came upon them, means stand right beside. It means sit over top of. I mean, this is close. And it says, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. This is the presence of God. When God shows up, there's always great light. Glowing, blinding, brilliant, shining light. To the point where this pitch black night becomes as daytime. I mean, just 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 imagine that with us as as we're in this story, and it's pitch black, and they're sitting there uh, in the mundane normalcy of their life, trying to stay awake, watching some sheep, and all of a sudden the light of heaven comes down, and it lights up the entire sky, lit up the fields, the light of Mount Sinai that lit up the mountain. The light in the burning bush, the the light in the wilderness, the, the light in the temple. This is the glory of the Lord shining down upon them, and you would and I would react the same way. And they were sore afraid. It's one thing to be afraid, it's another thing to be sore afraid. This means they're scared to death. This means they're trembling in their sandals. This means they're shaking. The word they are sore would be mega afraid. They're out of this world afraid. They're, they're scared to death. They're absolutely terrified. And it's just an angel. Can you imagine standing in the presence of Almighty God? This is just an angel. And they are scared to death, sore afraid, on their faces in the ground. These dirty, filthy, low life shepherds have been brought low by, by an angel. And the angel says, the angel speaks. God sent the angel not just to show up, but with a message. And the angel says, fear not. Why would he say fear not? Because they're scared to death. Three times in, in Luke 1 and 2, Mary, Joseph, and now to the shepherds, the angel says, don't be scared. This is good news. This is, this is, the angel hasn't come to judge. The angel has come with good news. Three times he says, this is not a bad visit. This is good news. And he says that there. I've come to bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I've come to bring you good news, not bad news. I've come to give you great joy and and merriment. I've come for, for all people. This is not a bad visit. This is a, a good visit. This is good news for the entire world and not just them at that time. This is, this is good news for the shepherds. This is good news for everybody in Bethlehem. This is good news for everybody in Jerusalem. This is good news for the entire world throughout all time. This is the best news you'll ever hear. I've come to give the whole world joy. This is good news. This visit's life changing for the shepherds. This visit is life-changing for the world. So what do you mean by life-changing? This, this angel has said here, look, Fear not, for I behold, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The angel saying, I've come to take you from great fear to great joy. I want you to see that. This is, the angel has come to, bring, to take these shepherds from great fear to great joy. And this is not just for the shepherds. Again, this is for the whole world. So you sitting in here today, these angels have come with a message to bring you from great fear to great joy. To bring you from trembling and scared to death, and that would be really before the presence of God, to great joy. So how do people get from great fear to great joy? That's the question here. And the answer is right in the middle of the passage. To go from great fear to great joy, you must hear the good news. He says, I've come to bring you good news which shall bring you great joy. And that's the announcement. I've come to bring you great joy. And, and, and that's, that's, that's a, a, a good thing for all of us here today. That we, we, We've come to hear not great fear, but to get great joy by hearing the good news. So what is the good news? That's point number two. If that's the heavenly announcement, I want to show you now the heavenly gift. Verse 11. It's not really what is the good news, but who is the good news. Verse 11 is a golden verse. It says here, for unto you. That's where it starts. This gift is unto them. To you, shepherds, we've come to give you this gift. Unto you is born. I love that. You can't can't go from great fear to great joy unless you know the good news is for you. I think there's not a whole lot of joy in our lives because we don't understand that this gift has come to us. You've got to get to the you. It's personal. It's good news for the shepherds. It's good news for you. This is good news for you sitting in the pews today. And he says, here we go. Let's keep looking. And here's the good news. For unto you is born this day, today, in the city of David. That's the place. And then he describes who it is. The identity here. I'm going to preach this verse next Christmas, verse 11, by itself, a whole month. If I don't preach that long here now, there's three names here that they give for Christ that is out of this world. Look what it says, and I would write these down. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, first, he's a savior. This is good news. God has sent a Savior. This is the saving one. This is the, the one who has come to rescue. For unto you this day in the city of David is born. In that child is salvation. There's deliverance. He's come to, to rescue. He's come to, to save. Jesus didn't come to start a holiday. He came to save sinners like these shepherds and like you. He's a Savior. Matthew 1.21 says, Call His name Jesus for He shall save His people. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Luke 19.10, He came to seek and save that which is lost. John 4, This is, is, is indeed the Christ who will be, who is the Savior of the world. This child is the Savior. This child is the one who's come to save you. And this is Christ. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. The Savior. The one and only Savior. There will never be another Savior but Jesus. And then He's the Christ. If Savior is the saving name, then Christ is the promised name. He's the one that the entire Old Testament pointed to. He's the one they've been waiting on. He's the one the prophets talked about. He's the one that all the, the symbols in the Old Testament was pointing towards. He is the only one that fulfills every single prophecy of the Old Testament. He's the only one that fits the description. He's the only one they've been waiting on. He is the child that has been promised to you. He's the, he's the cross, the Messiah. And last, this this I love all these names. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. He's, he's a Savior. He's the Christ. And He's Lord. This is the ruling name. Saving name, promised name, ruling name. He's Master. He's Ruler. He's the Sovereign One. He's Lord. He's Kyrios. He's taking the very name of God Almighty Himself. When Moses asked, God, what shall I tell who who shall I tell them has sent me? said, you tell him I am that I am has sent you. Yahweh, God's personal name. And when Jesus shows up here, he takes the personal name of God. The child is the one who will rule over you. He is Lord. He's the Son of God. He's the one that every knee will bow to and every tongue will confess. He's a King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. This is the most simple confession that any Christian, all Christians must make that Jesus is Lord. This is His true identity. This is who He is. You can't separate these things. You can't separate Savior, Christ, and Lord. This is, this is Him in His entirety. This is the unique, unparalleled Son of God. This is heaven come down. This is di- the divinity meeting humanity. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't you dare miss a single one of these names. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Adrian Rogers says this little baby is the great, eternal, uncreated, self-existent, Word made flesh. I know that's, I want to read it again. This little baby is the great, eternal, uncreated, self-existing Word made flesh. He goes on to say, this is the one who hung the planets in space. The baby of Luke 2 is the almighty God of Genesis 1. That's big news, is it not? That's good news. That's what the angel is telling these shepherds. Unto you is born the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So now they got to know where to find him. (laughs) See, I mean, there's a gift here. Now, where do we go to get it? Unto you is born. Where is he? The next verse tells us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. What's the sign? The sign would be pointing them in the direction where he is. Here's how you could find this child. Here's how to find him. I'm going to to point you in the right direction so that you can go into the city and you'll know exactly where he is. You you don't have to go and, and search everywhere. Here's the sign. Here's how you'll know that you found this child. You would think that it would be in a palace in a golden crib. Wouldn't you think? The well, shepherds are sitting there saying, okay, a Savior, Christ, Lord. This, this is God in flesh. This, this is the incarnate God. This is a, unbelievable. Where can we find Him? Is he, is he in a temple somewhere with religious people? Or is he, is he in a throne room somewhere and His mom's a queen and His dad's a king? Where is He? And the angels say, here's where you'll find Him. this is the son of God this is the one who will rule and reign the sovereign one the king of kings and lord of lords where is he? you'll find him wrapped in strips of rags and laying in a feeding trough these shepherds had to say what? where? no way that's the last place you'd ever find the son of God he has to be in a golden crib. He has to have a, a, a silver pacifier. He has to have the finest of robes. He has to have servants all around him. He has to have horses that, that are saddled all around the, the palace. He has to be in the best place in the world. And you say he's outside. He's got animals for his companions. He's got cobwebs for his curtains. This is where you'll find the Son of God? Isn't it amazing that God reveals himself through an angel to the lowliest of lowlifes and shepherds and that Jesus, the Son of God, comes to the lowliest of places in a manger?
1: Because
0: that's how God works. It's not the high and the mighty, it's the lowly. i got a good wife. <laughs> It's not that big a deal that she brought it. It's that big deal that she stood up in front of people. (laughs) This is the beginning of the humility of Christ. Again, he wasn't born in a palace to a queen. He was born in the lowliest of places surrounded by animals. This is the last place you'd expect God to enter the world. But let me say this to you guys too. It's the last place you'd ever expect God to come to a place like this with us. Who who would ever expect God to do anything with somebody like me? Or somebody like you? Or someplace like this? But God shows up in the lowliest of places. And in the lowliest of people. Because that's how God works. It characterizes his entire life. He who was rich became poor. He made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant was made in the likeness of man. That He came down into our curse and our pain and our death and our misery and our sin. He did all that. Again, I've got to go back to it. For you. Amen. For unto you is born this day. All that for you. All that for me. That shows how much God loves us. That He sent His Son into this world for us. For unto you is born this day. Unto you is born this day. He did it for us. To save us. Because He loves us. All this for us. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. Unto you is a Savior. Unto to you is the Christ. Unto you is, is the Lord. He will be exalted. But this was him in his humility. This was him at the low. He was wrapped in a manger. And eventually he'll be wrapped in a tomb. But he won't stay in either one. And this leads to the song. This made the angels want to sing. So, my third point, and we're, we're moving through this, is the heavenly song. You'll see that in verse 13. That Jesus coming and being where he was at made the whole heaven start singing. Here's the song. And suddenly it says in verse 13, and out of nowhere. I mean, I think the shepherds had just gotten up and they're, they're listening to the message and they're being told where to go. And they're like, okay, angels told us where to go. We're going to, we're going to go immediately and see what this is. And then out of nowhere, suddenly, as soon as they get up, they're going to fall back on their faces again. The whole heavenly host, it says. Not one angel, but a multitude of the heavenly host. That word host is used for an army, to talk about how big an army is. That word host is to talk about stars, for how many there are in the sky. So we're talking about the sky being full of angels. You with me? Not one. But well, the sky now has, the whole heavenly choir has come down. A host, a, a multitude of a host has now filled the sky. This is out of this world. All of heaven breaks loose. This is to them. And you've got to get this. To the angels, they're amazed at Jesus doing this. This is the most amazing event in history to them. They see their Lord and their Creator, the one that they sing holy, holy, holy to throughout all eternity is a helpless child in a manger. And He's come to save sinners. And this makes them want to sing. And this isn't just a, 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 an everyday song. This is an amazed song. This is bursting forth. This is not going through the motions. This is not, if you can imagine, we do that, we'll sing and, and we just kind of go through the motions, you know. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him. And heaven and nature sing. (laughs) That's what we do, right? Angels we have heard on high. I don't know the rest of that song. (laughs) These angels aren't going through the motions. This is their one big chance. This is her one shot. They may have been rehearsing this throughout all eternity. This is, okay guys, you ready to go? Let's hit it when we're ready. Come on, here we go. As soon as the angel says go, we go. And we're going to light up the sky. And we're going to sing at the, at the loudest that we can sing. Bursting forth praise to the, to the child who's come to save. They're singing. Hark the herald angels sing. They start bursting out a song. All out, everything they got is now lighting up the sky and the, the music is going throughout the fields. This is a concert. Shepherds sitting there saying, what a night. <laughs> we don't even care where the sheep are now. Looking up and listening. You say, what do they sing? <laughs> Here it is. They sing Glory. the god in the highest i like that they sing gloria that's the name of this song in latin gloria in excelsis deo glory to the newborn king belting out glory to god They're, they're saying to god be the glory great things he hath done so loved he the world that he sent us his son Wow, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God at the highest we can sing. We're not singing lowly. We're singing as high as we can go. This is the most amazing thing the angels have ever seen. Amen. Wow. They sing of the glory of God. They sing of God's good will to men. Do you see that? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. God hasn't come down to judge, he's come down with goodwill, with favor towards men, showing grace to men. And they sing of making peace with God. I think there's three verses there glory to God in the highest, goodwill toward men. What's the goodwill? Peace. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners have been reconciled. Amen. That's what this is all about. This isn't about peace on earth amongst armies so that nations get along, so that Democrats and Republicans can get along. That'd be nice. This isn't, this isn't about all those things. This isn't about a worldly peace. This is about a peace, but Jesus has come to bring peace between God and man. And the, the, the way of peace is through that child in a manger who will go to a cross and make peace where nobody else could make peace. This is peace. We are all in this room either at war with God or at peace with God. There is no middle ground. And Jesus through His death on the cross as Savior, as Messiah, and as Lord has made a way where any of us the whole world could be at peace with God. Wow, can't you sing? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace and good will toward men. Jesus has come to make Peace. Between a holy God and sinful man, that old song says, "Joyful all ye nations, rise! Join the triumph of the skies!" We all ought to sing with the angels. Glory to God in the highest. That's the song. I'll give you the last point, and I'll close. After the song, you have the heavenly experience. I was going to stop at verse 14. Because I said, we're doing the songs. And I said, no, I've got to go further. I just kept reading. And you guys just should be happy with me that I didn't do the rest of the chapter. But there's an experience here that takes place that you have to experience. Verse 15. And it came to pass that as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. you see that? I wonder how long the... The concert lasted. Was it as short as one verse? We don't know. They, they could have. They could have kept singing it over and over. They could have just kept on with the glory, Gloria, 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 just just kept on carrying it on. And the shepherds just stood there and listened and, and listened. And then all of a sudden, out of out of nowhere, as fast as they came, they're now gone, and, and it's now pitch black night again. And they're sitting there all looking at each other like, "What just happened here?" And and they look at each other, and what do they say? Look what it says. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them, back into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, <laughs> they're talking to each other. Let us now go. You see, you see that? Let us now go. And, and I underline the word now. We're not going to wait any, any time at all. We're going to get up right now and we're going to leave. This is, we've got to go see this for ourselves. It says that, let us now go even to Bethlehem. And let's see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. We've got to go see it for ourselves. We can't go on with life as we've been living it now. Something has changed and we've got to go see this. We've got to go. We can't, it can't be second hand knowledge that we're told about it. We've got to go see it. We've got to go experience it. We've got to go near, to, to, to know it. We need to go see this child that is in the manger. It shows that when God opens eyes and changes hearts, that this is the first thing that we do. We run to Christ. No second to waste. No hour to pass. No day to wait. It's now. There's never a later. They get up now. And they they take off in verse 16. It says, and they came with haste. They they went fast. These shepherds lifted up their gowns, (laughs) robes, took off running. We've got to get there fast, two to three miles. With haste. And they found. It says they found Mary and Joseph. Think about how they looked. Going in the middle of the night looking for a child that's been born. And they knew not to go to an inn. They knew not to go. We've got to go find the mangers. We gotta go. We gotta to go to the outside. Got to, we got there, there couldn't be any other babies that are born at that time in any mangers anywhere else. So they're they're not knocking on doors. They're they're going and looking outside where, where all the animals are, looking hearing for a baby cry. And they go knocking on the doors and and, and they find this baby laying outside, uh, surrounded by animals. And they they see Mary and they they see Joseph. Shepherds were probably the last thing Mary and Joseph expected. Probably the last thing that they wanted. Maybe not the last thing. I think the last thing they'd wanted would be a drum solo by a little drummer boy. That's not anywhere in here. But rumpa bum bum. <laughs> That's the last thing they wanted. Little boy showing up saying, "I got you a solo." <laughs> These rough shepherds show up. <laughs> They see Mary and they see Joseph and they start talking. What are you doing here? Well, I saw an angel. Mary says, I did too.
1: Joseph says, Hey, I saw saw an angel
0: too. What did the angel say to you? Well, they said they'd be a baby. That's the same thing the angel told me. They said, Mary, that's the same thing they told me. What did they tell you the baby would be? They said the baby would be Savior and Christ and Lord. And Mary says, you know what? That's what the angel told me. And Joseph said, hey, you know what? They told me to name, name Him Jesus because He would save His people from their sins. He's going to be a Savior. Mary says, He's going to be a Savior. The shepherd says, He's going to be a Savior. Oh my! And they're all surrounded by the baby. And there's almost a, a worship of the child there. All these things are coming together. And we're seeing the true identity of who He is. Oh my! We are in the presence of the Holy Son of God. Wow! You say, where did Luke get this information to know this? Do you know that Luke, while Paul was in prison, he got got stuck in Jerusalem? And they say that he sat down with Mary and wrote all these details down straight from her her lips. What happened? Who showed up? There wasn't a drummer boy, you sure? (laughs) And this is where we're getting it really straight from the mouth of Mary herself. Shepherds showed up at our door. They saw an angel out in the field. And then there was a heavenly host of angels singing a a song. And then they came and they they found us. They came and found Jesus. It wasn't just Mary and Joseph. They found the babe lying in a manger. I think somewhere in this point, the shepherds got saved. You say, (laughs) these rough, low-life shepherds got saved? Where do you see that at? How do you know anybody gets saved? By the fruit of their life. They don't say they got saved, but everything they do after they meet Jesus here shows me that they're saved. You say, well, what's that? See, that's how we look at everybody's life. You don't sit there and just listen to the profession. The profession is a good thing, but you can easily say things with your mouth. It's easy to say something. I can say anything I want to. And, but the, the, the proof is in the pudding. In the fruit of your life, everyday life. How does your life look will show whether you really are saved or not. And these guys, I see, I see proof. Let me, let me just show you. I was reading it this week and I said, there's, there's proof of salvation all over these guys. Watch this. First of all, God was working in their heart and how he revealed himself to them. Because that's where it always starts. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So the first step was that God had revealed, spoken to them through an angel, a messenger, the truth, and they believed it. That's how God reaches anybody. has to first come by hearing. You have to hear the truth, believe the truth, and then act upon the truth. That's how salvation works. So here it is. Faith cometh by hearing. They heard it. Look at verse 15. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has told us. We heard. Faith cometh by hearing. And then they ran to see it and to meet Jesus. For themselves. That faith took off. That faith run. That faith was was now. That faith was making haste. That faith was as fast as I can. I'm running to Jesus. As soon as God opens our eyes and our ears and changes our hearts, we run directly to Jesus. They ran to Jesus. Verse 17. They came with haste. Verse 16. Found Mary and Joseph. They found the babe in the manger. And when they would seen it for themselves, I think maybe there's salvation. Then they made it known abroad. Saying, the we just told them concerning this child. What's the next thing that happens to somebody who gets saved? They profess it in front of everybody else. I see fruit everywhere here. They heard it. They acted on it in, in, in saving faith and belief. And then they began professing it to everybody they could find. They went out announcing it to everybody else. Hey! We found Jesus! The Savior. The Christ the Lord, you need to come see it too. Verse 17, they tell everybody they can about it. Verse 18, and they all heard it and wondered at those things which were told with them by the shepherds. I got, I got a few minutes. Shepherds were notable for lying. You, you couldn't even use a shepherd as a witness in court. That's how low-life they were. You brought a shepherd in, they lied lie to you. We won't even use that. But here they are going, and they're the first really evangelists at Christmas. Going out and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Mary, verse 19, didn't tell anybody. She said and thought about all these things. Again, I think, that, I think Luke's talking to Mary. Mary, what'd you do? Well, I just sit there and thought about everything. I just pondered it in my heart. I just, just thought about all these things that God had done to me. All the, the blessings God had shown me. I just sit and thought about it. Just pondered it. How long did the shepherds say? Luke would ask him. And she'd say in verse 20, well, the shepherds returned. And what did they do when they returned? Well, it says here's the next fruit of their salvation. I told you at the beginning that if you paid attention, that the angels, the good news was going to bring these shepherds from great fear to great joy. Didn't we say that? And they've heard the great news. We went through it. That that this this child has been born unto you. That he's the Savior, the Christ. He's the Lord. Here he is. And they've heard the good news. They went from great fear. They've heard the good news. And now in verse 20, the shepherds returned. Different than they came. Because that's what salvation will do to you. Completely changes your life. Once you meet Jesus, you're never the same. And these shepherds were never the same. These shepherds would still be outcasts in society. These shepherds would still not be welcome in the religious ceremonies of the day. But God had changed the hearts of these rough, low-life shepherds. Toward now, when they go back, they're glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. They went from great fear to great joy by hearing and experiencing the good news. We started when we met the shepherds. They were keeping watch of the flock by night and they were scared to death. In the last verse of the passage, they have great joy in their hearts. They're singing and glorifying God. Can you imagine? They're going back to their field. They're going back to where they worked. They're going back to their lowly job that they, they probably hated and everybody looked down on. And they probably were the worst bunch of guys you could ever be around when we started the passage. And now they go back and they're not rough and they're not hard and they're not, uh, they're not like they used to be. Now they go out and they're singing praises to God. They're singing, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Glory to God in the highest. They've completely changed. Their heart has been changed. They're, they went from fear to joy because of the good news. Because they'd heard it and they'd seen it. They'd experienced it for themselves. I think there's a big... I've got to be careful. There's a lot of people that know this story inside and out. And you listen to it here today and you thought, I've heard all this. I know all this. This is just... Why doesn't he do anything different? But you've never seen it for yourself and you've never experienced it for yourself. The good news that's in this passage, you really don't get it until you experienced it yourself. Amen. And I wonder how many people celebrate Christmas as they never experienced Christmas. That's the big difference. There's people in this room today that will celebrate Christmas and you'll do all the things that we talked about at the beginning. You'll have the food, you'll have the gifts, you'll have the lots, you'll have the family, you'll have all those things. The eggnog that tastes awful, all these things. I mean, if eggnog was so great, we'd drink it 12 months out of the year. We suffer through it one, one month out of the year. I don't know where that came from. But you'll do all those things. You'll dress up. You'll have your ugly Christmas sweaters. You'll exchange all these gifts. And you're going to go through the play. And you'll go to church. And you'll sing in the cantata. And you'll do all this, all this Christmas activity. But you can't really celebrate Christmas. There's no way you can really celebrate it unless you've experienced the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless you've come to Him like these shepherds came to Him. It's the only way you can really celebrate it. And how do you know if you've come to Jesus? You've never been the same. Jesus split time right here. You understand that? Literally split time. From B.C. to A.D. This birth split time. From the time Jesus came, the world has never been the same. The entire world. Time has never been the same. We divide time based on when Jesus came right here. He changed time. He changed history. Do you think you can meet Jesus and Him not completely and totally change every single bit of your life? He changes time. He changes shepherds. He changes religious people. He changes Paul. He changes Peter. He changes everybody he meets. But you think you can meet Him and not be changed? First John would say you're a liar. You can't meet Jesus and not be changed. You can't meet Jesus and everything in your life not be completely turned upside down. No way. That there is now in you a before Christ and an after Christ. And you look around today and people say, oh, I know Jesus, oh, I know Jesus, but you ain't no different than you have ever been. You still act the same way. You still talk the same way. You still listen to the same things and watch the same things and do everything you always did. You just added a little bit of Jesus on top. That's a lie. Ask these shepherds, they look at you and say, no, ain't no way, once you meet Jesus, you'll never be the same again. So I'm asking you today, have you experienced Christ? Because you can't celebrate Christmas until you've experienced Jesus Christ. Not second hand knowledge, not knowing the story, not like these people here. Look at this, verse 18. Do you think these people in verse 18 were saved? What's this. And they all, all that heard, what they hear. Verse 17 says that these shepherds went out and told everybody about it. What do you think the shepherds said? Let me tell you about a guy who changed us. Let me tell you about a a Savior. Let me tell you about the Lord. Let me tell you about the Christ. The one we've all been waiting for. Let me tell you about it. So they told him the good news. And in verse 18, and all that heard it wondered, underline wondered, Hmm, that's interesting. Hadn't heard that before. But I guess we'll just go on with our lives. You with me? There'll be people sitting in this church today that hears this good news. And they'll say, hmm, yeah, that guy rambled for an hour. Well, he was sweating. His wife had to bring him a handkerchief. Hmm. And then you walk out these doors and nothing will change. Nothing. You'll go on with your life. Do your same thing. No different. These people aren't saved. They may know the story. Didn't they just hear the story? Shepherds told them. They know all these things. But they hadn't experienced it for themselves. If they had really experienced it, those, these people here, all these people, would have run straight to find Mary and Joseph in the and the babe and experienced it for themselves. Right, amen. All that heard it wondered at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But the shepherds, boy, they changed, didn't they? I love that. I love verse 8. And they were the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch of their flock by night. And I can just picture them there. Rough, hard, tough, man. Stinky, just, just low-life shepherds. Verse 20, and they go back to the same job, but they're different people. They go back to the same job, but they're different people they go back to the same job, but they're different people. They returned glorifying and praising God for everything that they'd experienced. That heard and seen, experienced it. I, I think you can... I said I was almost done, didn't I? I think the difference between verses 18, these people that heard it, and the shepherds who'd heard it and seen it, that experienced it for themselves. Amen. So again, the question is, I had to add point four. I had to add that point four. Up until Friday, I was just going to go to verse 14. And we would have been out of here in 30 minutes and you all would have said Merry Christmas, Josh. But on Friday evening, I added verses 15 through 20. Because we can know the Christmas story and do all the Christmas stuff. But until we have what the shepherd has, shepherds have, our Christmas is empty. And I don't want you to celebrate Christmas in an empty way. I want you to celebrate Christmas in the best way, the only way that you can, with Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Yes. It's the only way. Not just as your Savior. I've got to say that. Not just as your Savior, but also as your Lord. That He has washed my sins away and I have bowed the knee to Him. There's the change. So I offer you today good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Everybody in here can have this great joy. But you can't have this great joy at Christmas until you experience the good news. You can't have the great joy without the good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ has come into the world to make peace between a holy God and a sinful man. And you put your faith in Him, and God and sinner will be reconciled. That's the gospel. I read a quote this week that says, Don't think God is beyond your reach. See Him lying in a manger. See Him in a stable. That was all for you. The the lowest of us may know Him. See how far He's come for you. Put your faith in Him today and you can know Him too. And you can sing with the angels, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward yes. me. Let's take off the end, toward me. You've got to make it personal. Not men, me. Not everybody, me. Can you say, I'm at peace with God? Because I've come to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. I urge you today, if you've not experienced this saving grace, come to Jesus. Run to Jesus. And that's the thing. I I can say this. As I'm giving an invitation right now, make haste. Come come as fast as you can. I mean, if, if God is opening your eyes to the reality of where you stand and that you're not truly saved and your sins aren't forgiven... And you've not bowed the knee to Jesus and you're seeing it for the first time and you're understanding it for the first time and God's working in your heart. Then you don't need to wait till tomorrow. You don't need to wait till later today. You don't need to wait even a second. You need to run to Jesus by faith right now as fast as you can and experience Him today. Turn to Him by faith and He will save you like He saved those shepherds. And you can truly celebrate Christmas and sing. This is, this is, this is, I love this third song. Because this one is what puts the song in our hearts. The salvation that Jesus brings. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for the work that you do, the miracles that you perform. And the miracles that you perform is in the hearts of men. And the hearts of women. And I pray today, God, that you would work in the hearts of the people sitting in this room. If there's anyone in here who has any doubts whatsoever about where they stand. Everybody in here is either at peace with you or at war with you. And the only way to make peace is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So God, if there's anyone in here who is at war with you, at enmity with you, still in their sins, and will die and stand before you, and it will be much more scary than an angel in, in in the fields, I pray that today they would make that right. And it would be as simple as, I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Upon a life I didn't live and upon a death I did not die. stakes my entire eternity. So God, please work in hearts here today. Please show them where they stand. Show them what they must do in order to be saved. And thank you, God, for the joy in our hearts today that we have because we've heard and received and experienced the good news of Jesus Christ. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.